Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Black Friday. I didn't even go. I, you didn't did you go to. Go? Um, I actually did go to Kohl's with my family on Black Friday. Oh, that actually it was a lot of people. It was Thanksgiving night. You went on Thanksgiving. Night. Five Thanks, p.m. After oh, it must have been Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was after we got back from my sister's place and we were we went to Kohl's like late night Thanksgiving. They've started calling Thanksgiving Day, the advertisers have started calling Thanksgiving Day Gray Thursday. Gray Thursday. Because it's 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 bleeding into Black Friday. Wow. So in a few years, we won't have Thanksgiving Day anymore. We'll just have Gray Thursday. So is Wednesday Thursday. White Wednesday? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Well, there's, what, there's Black Friday, and then there's, there's Small Business mm-hmm. Saturday. And Cyber Monday. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So those are all becoming the high holy days of our... Yeah, culture. I did participate in this at a high level because I come from a retail background. So it actually did take me, I would say, about three years to get off of um, uh, feeling the absence of the the great high of preparing a store for mm-hmm. uh, this sort of sale and... Um, and seeing it through to the end, the frenzy in a very uh, uh, as organized way as possible. But it took me a while to get off of the high of just that sort of frenzy of people wanting to shop and shopping and participating in it. Uh, now I don't even think of it, and I certainly don't go out and participate in it. I used to go out years and years ago, this before I was a priest, when, when my mom was still living in Charlotte and I would be home for Christmas. That uh, there we had a, a local mall that was a very popular place to shop, still is, and um, I would go on on Black Friday just for fun. I, I didn't actually intend to buy anything, but I just like watching people and, see the stampede. Well, see the stampede, <laughs> but just I mean, maybe this is why I ultimately became a priest. But I was just watching people and just sort of thinking what's going on in that person's mind and what's going on, and it always seemed very stressful, you know, mm. that they. The, there's this big gap between you know the, the, all of the commercials and, and when you watch people shopping on Black Friday on the commercials, it's this great joyful you know oh I get to buy Christmas presents mm-hmm. for all my friends. But when you're actually there, it seems very stressful um, and very sort of overwhelming to a lot of people. Hmm, that is interesting because we get such a sanitized image of Christmas. It's very like uh, sentimental. Yeah, it's like sentimental, but yeah, like people have real things going on in their lives. Yes. And like who's who's engaging that? Who's actually asking them, "Hey, are you doing okay? Are you is this really what you want?" <laughs> like, well, that's the part. And so there's a lot of things going on. One is there's this sort of I mean, the, you listen to like a lot of the music I've noticed on the advertisements on I don't watch a lot of TV, but on the radio and just uh, even on television when I am watching it, it's it's the oldies, right? It's thing, it's the tunes that we heard from years and years ago, at least I grew up with. Um, and as you said, it's sanitized and it's beautiful and it's sort of this this produced joy. And then the next level is just a lot of people just feel really stressed out, especially by the Christmas holidays or what leads up to Christmas. Sure. And then underneath all of that, there's an actual real desire to spend time with family and friends. And I think that's that's the heart of, or at least it's the heart of what gets us at the actual meaning of Christmas for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, this is this is great. We're getting kind of into our topic, but maybe before we get a little bit more deeper into it, um, which I think we should go there, is uh, 
introductions. We got to do a little bit of introductions. So, first of all, my name's Anthony Ferguson. I'm a seminarian for the Diocese of Richmond. Uh, that means I'm studying to be a priest, hopefully, God willing, in about a year and a half. And uh, I'm here in the Vichamundum studio with a couple of good friends of mine. There's uh, Tina Wandersey. Hello. And uh, our pastor, Father John David Ramsey. Good morning. So we're here kind of recording a a special gift for the people of Mount Carmel. So we're talking about desire, right? Like, why why do we go to church? Why why do people come to church on Christmas? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's something I've I've been thinking. I I think about this every year because, I mean, by the time people hear this, um, podcast, um, they'll, they will have already probably attended uh, the Sunday Mass. We're giving this out uh, along with some other podcasts as a gift to everybody this year. And I've been thinking about that. And, and one of the most joyful things for me at, in celebrating all those Christmas Masses um, is how very many people come. And it's all sorts of different people. So you have, I mean, a lot of the people are people you see every week at Mass. Um, a lot of those people Um, when they come to the Midnight Mass or any of the Masses on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, they're bringing their extended family. So it's it's fun for me. I've been here long enough so that that I know people who have moved away, uh, children who've gone to college or who've even finished college uh, and moved home. So I get to catch up with people. Um, But there's also another another level to it. There's a beautiful sense that, that for a lot of people who come, they may not come every week. They may not come to Mass every week, and yet whether for family reasons or for something deeper, it's important to them to be there to celebrate Christmas, to spend an hour or two in the midst of all of the family traditions and, and all of the the things that people do over the Christmas season, the few days of Christmas. Um, it's important for them to spend a few hours together at Mass experiencing the real heart of the matter, which is is the birth of Jesus Christ. I think that's the most hopeful part about it, is that in the midst of uh, the world that we live in, all of the the activity, um, the consumerism, all of that, that the that those uh, that uh, maybe aren't always going to Mass, uh, that take the time to come to Mass on, on important uh, feasts like Christmas and Easter, it shows that uh, they still have... Um, at the core of their being, they know that um, Christmas is about Christ uh, breaking into the world, God, uh, his son breaking into the world, and uh, that Easter is very profoundly about uh, this same uh, Jesus uh, being executed, uh, dying for our sins and rising. And so there's, that, there's still that very fundamental belief at the core of who they are, that celebrating Christmas is more than just the packages, and they do um, touch base. And uh, and come to the church uh, to celebrate that aspect of the holiday. Well, and it's unusual in that that if you if one only went to mass on Christmas and Easter, you're actually getting in a very compact way the whole story of our salvation. You just said that, Tina. Um, if you come at Christmas, you experience the incarnation of the Word, the the birth of Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God made flesh. And then if you come to Easter. You're celebrating the resurrection, which always has along with it uh, his death, his suffering before that. And so those are the two masses in which um, you're going to get, in a very beautiful nutshell, the whole experience of, our, of the works of Jesus for our salvation. The other thing that strikes me, too, is the Christmas and Easter. So those are the ones that we know that, that more people come during those 
two holidays, those two feasts, than any other time. But the thing that I think is also very telling is that the third day that more people come to Mass than any other is Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so Ash Wednesday is, is the first day, marks the beginning of the season of Lent, the 40 days mm-hmm. of preparation before Holy Week and the experience of Christ's death and resurrection at Easter. Um, and it's not even, it's not a holy day of obligation. People are mm-hmm. not required to come on Ash Wednesday, and yet the churches are absolutely packed. Um, and because it's not a sacrament, like we, that is the imposition of ashes is not itself a sacrament. A lot of people who aren't even Catholic at all will come to Catholic services, which they're welcome to do to, and receive um, receive the ashes on their foreheads. And I think that so if Christmas and Easter, people are maybe drawn to that to experience the love of Jesus in this sort of nutshell story of two masses. Um, especially, I mean, they're particularly focused on that. And then some of those same people go um, to the Ash Wednesday services. The Ash Wednesday services are people being reminded, and they're very clear Mm -hmm. about this, being reminded that they need God, right? that they need Jesus. The whole point of Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent is that we we cannot do without Jesus Mm -hmm. and that we need him. And so when you put all those things together, it says something about the human heart right. that's very basic, that no matter what's going on in the rest of our lives, right. a couple of times a year at least, we are aware that Jesus loves us, that he came to be our king uh, in, in his birth, that he becomes our king in his death and resurrection. And when we, are, when we recognize Ash Wednesday... We know that we need him, and all those things together, I think, are a very powerful witness of how the human heart yearns for the God who loves them. Absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and when, you know, growing up, I I didn't really know my faith. I I felt very kind of just, it was blurry, it wasn't really clear why we went to church. But but even that, like, I I knew that I wanted, I want, even if I didn't believe in God at times, even if I didn't really believe all of the stuff that, that they were teaching me at catechism class or whatever, I knew that I wanted to believe it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a powerful, powerful experience looking back. It's just like, I wanted this to be true. I wanted, I wanted God to be close. I wanted God to be like this person that I could thank you know, like I remember, there's like a G.K. Chesterton quote like this: "Like, oh, how sad atheists are. They they have all these things to be thankful for, but nobody to thank." Mm-hmm. I, I just love that. It's like Good. we want to thank someone. We want to like praise something or someone. You know, it's just part of who we are as human beings. Is mm-hmm. we're built in such a way that we look out onto the world and we're like, "This is something that I should be grateful for. This is something that's beautiful. This is something that." I want to praise someone. Who is this someone? And then they start asking those questions that, that lead them to the living God, the one who has been calling them already, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has already been a part of their life. Um, but well, we're yeah. built for that. I mean, that, that's, that's the beautiful thing is that, that we are, whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, whether we want it or not, we are made for a relationship with God. And the whole story of Christianity is how... After you know our foreparents um, sinned, you both heard me say this many times that the, the the first two pages of Scripture are about this beautiful creation that God made and placed human beings, man and woman, uh, at the heart of it. And then there's about 
a paragraph and a half about how human beings messed it up and then 1,700 pages <laughs> that follow that are the whole story of God bringing us back to himself. And, and so we're made for that. And I think all of us have had the experience of people who very publicly might say, you know, I have no interest in religion or no interest in God. Or, but if you get them in a quiet place where they're safe and they know that they can talk, They'll not necessarily say, "Well, actually, I really believe in God," but they're just they. It's more. I'm looking for something, and, and I hope God's there. Mm-hmm. It's when when you're on the defensive, or when you have a public face, you don't want to admit you don't that you don't know things, mm-hmm. or you don't know where you stand. But when you're safe, I think most people will admit. Um, most people who would not publicly and you know say that they were religious or, or believers in God or whatever would say, "But I'm, I'm sort of searching." And I think that searching aspect, mm-hmm. our, our, the church, our Catholic church, um, recognizes the beauty of the fact that everybody is looking for truth mm-hmm. and that we respect that very much. So if somebody, uh, you know, when we're at our best, we never force anybody into anything. We, we present, we invite, we nurture. We're very human in what we do, so we mm-hmm. fail a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we invite and nurture, and through our very limited actions as human beings, um, other people find Christ, mm-hmm. and then then they discover worship, and then they discover, you know, the fullness of faith, and that's that's what evangelization is. Mm-hmm. That's what sharing the gospel is in its most basic and most true sense. Right, and I think it's that relationship uh, piece. Um, you know, God is um, extraordinarily faithful and it is always abiding. And you can see that um, from the, the, the seeking uh, person who comes, who comes back to Mass. Um, he's always there, um, ready to receive. Uh, when you mention the story of Eden, uh, one thing that, that uh, stands out to me uh, is that God asks a, a question after, after the fall has happened. Where are you? You know, he asks this question, where are you? And, um, and of course, uh, Adam and Eve present themselves, uh, and there's a rift uh, in this relationship. And I think the difficult piece is, um, uh, is that uh, uh, possibly uh, people um, just don't know how to be in relation um, with, with God, um, or even um, uh, with the, the people around them. This is a very difficult thing. Relationships, we all have them. Uh, they're very, um, they can be a little uh, uh, muddy to work through. And so it's about relationship. And so I think um, uh, that people come forth uh, with good intentions of, of uh, wanting uh, uh, to be in relationship and then uh, just don't know how to do that. You know, what is the, what is the next step? You know, I know God is there. Um, uh, and I've sort of uh, touched base with him, uh, but how do I move uh, into a deeper relationship um, now that I've done that? That's absolutely true. And I, I think the next step that most people take is, this is way too complicated, I can't possibly manage this. Right, right. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm, I'm always, you know, when I, when I talk to folks who are seeking whether they're, you know, whatever stage of faith they're in, I, I keep saying, trust in what God's doing. You know, your job is to ask, to pray, um, and say, you know, a thousand times a day, so to speak, you know, Lord, help me to trust you, help me to know you, lead me into this greater love mm-hmm. that you have. And it takes a long time, and, and Jesus is very quiet, which is often very annoying, um, but he loves us, you mm-hmm. know, and, and whenever we ask, he is drawing us. And so, you know, 
praying is much simpler than most people think it is. All you do is you talk to Jesus or simply say, Jesus, I'm going to sit here for five minutes and just be with you quietly. I don't even know if you're there, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to sit here and, and, and trust that if you're there, you're with me. And, and then at another time, you might sit down and say, all right, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm not expecting anything spectacular, but I would like for you uh, to lead me more deeply into faith. I would like for you to lead me <clears throat> more deeply into this relationship that you desire with me. And then you trust that he's doing it. And, you know, and this, this is where a lot of the, the, the church stuff comes from. I mean, all that the, the, the Catholic Church offers in terms of prayer, in terms of Mass, all the different liturgies, all of that exists to help us to be in a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the reason we are asked by Jesus through the church to go to Mass every week is because it's, it's where our fundamental strengthening comes from. Um, and that's that's what people are ultimately being led to, that communion with Christ uh, that starts in and is rooted so deeply in the Eucharist and the celebration of the Mass, but then flows out and starts to transform every part of our lives. Um, and that's, I mean, I know some, I mean, I'm this way myself, you know, there have been times when I've always believed in Jesus very strongly, and he's always believed back in me. Um, but there were times early in my life, like you said, Anthony, where, I struggled uh, with what he was doing and, and, and whether this was the right path for me, but he kept drawing me step by step mm-hmm. um, until you know now here I am a priest, uh, and all I want to do is, is be even more close to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a love and a desire he's placed in my heart, but it took years because I'm very thick-headed. Um, so anyway, I think that's... Yeah, I, th- I think part of the next step, Tina, when when you asked the question was like kind of sitting in the shock that, that God chose you, like just letting that sink in that, mm-hmm. that, that, it's, that religion, that, that like faith is not primarily what you do to reach out to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. primarily, it's fundamentally realizing and discovering and, and just being amazed at the fact that, that God has reached out to you. And once you, realize that he has proposed to you, then, then faith becomes a response and you're like, all right, like I've wanted this. I want there to be a God. I want there to be meaning in my life. I want there to be truth that I can hold on to and, and believe and rest my entire life on. I want all this stuff. And then it's like, Oh wait, truth has chosen me. Truth has come to me. That's what Christmas is all about, mm-hmm. right? Like that, mm-hmm. that, that truth didn't just sit high up in heaven and like distant from us, that he's like, those people need help. They need guidance. They're, they're sheep without a shepherd. That, and so I'm going to come, I'm going to be born among them, and I'm going to save them. Well, and that's the most powerful thing is that, that, that we live in a world in which truth, it's all head knowledge. And, and what's scandalous, what, that is what's, what's sort of startling, um, about our faith is that truth is not a set of ideas. It's not a theological system or a philosophical system. Truth is a person. Truth is a person just like us. That is, he is truly and fully God, but he becomes one of us so that we can understand the way of God and he can understand us completely mm-hmm. um, in a way that we can relate to. You know, when you were speaking of um, uh, that, Anthony, of... Uh of God coming to us, I had a, a, a in my mind, I uh, sort of saw 
people coming to the church on Christmas um, as if they were going to uh, the the cave that that Jesus was born mm-hmm. in to see him to oh, catch man. a glimpse of him and um, and I think that when you know that pe- that's something that people should should realize and this is also uh, in relation to what you said about um, our response is that when somebody is coming um, uh, for whatever their reason is. Um, that um, it's probably helpful to 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 understand that God is already with you. Um, mm-hmm. If you have that the desire and you are on your way, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, uh, to to find the star and to to see you know catch a glimpse of the Christ Child, then um, the Lord is with you. No matter how far away you have been, He has remained faithful, mm-hmm. and He is still, you know, drawing you. Can I can I share a quote? That's perfect. Perfect segue to a quote from uh, so Saint Augustine, early Church Father, three hundreds into the four hundreds. So this is a long time ago, but if you read his Confessions, it's like a beautiful book, and it's like reading a prayer from today. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. But uh, he has this beautiful, beautiful, famous line, um, and he says this: "Late have I loved you." O beauty, ever ancient, ever new, late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness." You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for you. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. That I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's it. That's the heart of like what it means to realize that like I have been trying my whole life to be filled up. We are built to desire fullness. We want to mm-hmm. be like satisfied, but we keep on coming up against things that do not satisfy and we get frustrated. But then we realize that God has, has called us. He's shouted our whole life. Where he's, are you? He's like crying out. He's like, where are you? Come to me. I am the one who you want. I am the one that's going to satisfy you completely. Come and like, and burn for my peace. It's not going to be like mm-hmm. a totally comfortable thing all the time. It's going to be a burn, but it's going to be a beautiful burn. It's going to be a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing, another thing that's really beautiful about that is that the Augustine says, refers to God as beauty mm. and God is beautiful right and and that's and in the full sense right so this is something that's really important to me personally is that 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 god's beauty shines through nature god's beauty shines through beautiful works of art god's beauty shines through beautiful music but that beauty is something that is attractive i mean mm-hmm. we're attracted to beautiful things we're attracted to beautiful people right and and again that's another the mystery of beauty is part of the mystery of God, mm-hmm. right? So that that people, a lot of times, I've heard people say, um, you know, I went to mass and I didn't. They've never been to mass, and they they go and they say, I didn't understand any of it, but it was so beautiful. Mm. And what they're picking up on is that that God is is pouring out His beauty through the mass, and even if we don't understand every part of it, mm-hmm. you know, if the homily's really dull or whatever it may be, <laughs> your you homilies know, are never dull. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know, whatever it may be, if we're distracted sometimes, but but there's this beauty 
in this very full and rich sense that's pouring out through the whole experience of the Mass. And when our eyes are open more and more to that, and, it's, and it doesn't have to be in a beautiful building in a beautiful way. That helps. I mean, that's a beautiful um, enrichment of mm-hmm. the Mass. But the Mass is itself what's happening, what Jesus is manifesting in the Mass. And that's why people become drawn to it. I mean, I've known people who said, you know, I mean, I think of a, a dear friend of mine who, who uh, his first experience of a Mass was when I myself came into the church at the Easter Vigil uh, a long time ago. And he said... He said, I'm really happy for you, but this is, um, this is just something that I could never do. And, and yet it, it took him. like it, it planted a seed in his heart, that, that Easter vigil. I mean, if you can survive a four-hour Easter vigil, something special about you. But, <laughs> but he, he was drawn to that and, and ultimately became not only a very strong Catholic, but his whole life and his wife and his children, their whole life is dedicated to Jesus Christ in the depth and the fullness of the of the Catholic Christian way, and it's and it's not that their lives are easier or less challenging, but they know they're not alone. They know mm-hmm. they're yeah. loved, right? And that all started with this sort of mysterious experience of the beauty of the Mass. I think that's very powerful, dude. Yeah, God, God is beautiful. God is attractive. Like, and and maybe that's part of the reason why people come to church on Christmas and Easter and and all these other beautiful holidays is that. They see the world, and it's a pretty ugly place sometimes. And, and they're like, where can I find beauty? And they seek it out, and they find it in, in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's just this peaceful, beautiful moment where mm-hmm. God reveals himself. And, and that's there's something deep down in us, even if we can't articulate it, even if we can't put words to it. They, it it's something that resonates in us. It's like, yes, like the world is all a mess sometimes, but right here, right now, in the midst of my mess, this is beautiful. So, well, I love that. I love that. And I, what you saying that made me just it caused me to think about like the contrast. I usually do uh, on Christmas Eve, I do the two masses I usually do are the 4 p.m. mass and the midnight mass. And the 4 p.m. Mass is oriented particularly towards children, and there are a gazillion children there, and it's not quiet. Um, and they're and, so excited. Cute. Well, they're about. so excited, and they're so cute. And, and they're, they're hyped and, up on sugar. And, yes, that too. And, and they're hyped up on the, what Santa Claus is going to bring. Uh-huh. And, but they're so excited, and there's just this incredible joy, and it's noisy, and it's messy, and it's really beautiful. And then you come to the Midnight Mass, which you know, is, is very quiet, both in terms of the people who are there, but also, I mean, it's full of music and full of wonder, but it's midnight, you know, and it, and it's, it's a very different sort of experience of the mystery of God. And yet both of those mm-hmm. are aspects of the beauty of God pouring mm-hmm, forth, mm-hmm. you know, in this amazing experience of the mass. Yeah. Well, great. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, any other thoughts before we kind of, wrap up i mean i don't know i just hope i mean my 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 only my only hope for for this is that for anybody who may be listening to this that um um who hasn't been to mass in a while or doesn't come don't don't worry about don't worry about anything just let the lord uh, if if you were touched or even if you weren't touched by a christmas mass keep going to mass you know a little bit more often if you want to um explore your faith a little bit more explore becoming a person of faith a little bit more because Jesus wants that for you. 
um, if you're a Catholic who who has sort of uh, drifted away from going to Mass on a frequent basis, you know, learn a little bit more about the Mass, but just start going again. If you're not a person of faith in a particular way, um, you know, ask a, a good Catholic friend or, or a priest to help you with some uh, background, whatever you want. But the main thing is just just go and and let the Lord touch you, and don't don't create obstacles about yourself. And don't assume mm-hmm. it's more complicated than it is. Nobody's staring at you when you don't know what page to turn to. And nobody's, <laughs> none of those things. Just be at peace, and uh, you're always welcome here or at any Catholic church. Let the Lord guide you and draw you more deeply into that loving relationship that he wants with you. Amen. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And just keep asking questions, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's another big thing. Like, keep asking questions. Religion is not about shutting down questions or, like, stopping oh, like stopping the conversation. Like, let's go deep. The Lord loves questions. And I, and I always say to people, ask, ask questions. Keep asking questions, but also be patient in finding the answers. That's great. And be willing to, to take a while to discover the answers that you're seeking. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... Yeah, I mean, just whoever's listening right now, just know that that we're praying for you and that you're always welcome and that the people of Mount Carmel are awesome and and they're here for you. So we wish you a very Merry Christmas and uh, we pray that that Jesus would be very tangibly close to you during this season and that that you would receive his comfort and, and his peace. So until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing the love of Christ with you. God bless you.